So for the past three weeks, we've been studying aspects of the role and relationship between God the Father and us, his children. And the first message in the series was titled, Would You Rather? And we talked about how a good father manages and responds to us who are his strong-willed children, and that's what we are. And the second message in the series was titled, The Ruled Life. And we dove a little deeper into God's commandments and discussed why it is important and why God's rules and order exists and why obedience is so important. And last week we talked about how life is an open book exam. How we're reminded that we don't have to go through the trials of this life without guidance. We also learned that during these tests, that's what we call them, or tests that we face, we aren't expected to have all the answers. We are just expected to know where to find them and then actually use the resource of God's word and apply it to our lives. This morning will be the last message in the series, and as we have over the past three Sundays, learned about our decisions and understood why there are rules to make them by, and, and then we were reminded there's an instruction manual. It's time to evaluate what we think about all of this. And as I was reviewing the scriptures that contain God's commandments, I felt pangs of conviction and, and when I read certain ones. And, and there's not just the 10, but if you were to uh, look, you know, I found 49 instructions or commandments of Jesus. And some of them were very, you know, worded in such a way, but some of them were a little more subtle. But I caught myself thinking, oh man, I wish he hadn't said that. I wish I didn't have to do that one. That one's tough. And thus we have this morning's title, Things I Wish He Hadn't Said. So I asked some people which commandment they feel is the hardest to keep. Here's some of the responses I got, and some of these may hit pretty close to home, and you can relate. If you want to shout out and raise your hand or elbow your spouse to get them to raise theirs, that's fine too, or yell amen. But here are some of the ones that people said were the hardest for them to keep. One was, no other God before or beside me. Okay? Someone just said, that's a very interesting question. Well, that means they're thinking of their answer. And um, he said, the first commandment is the hardest. However, if we can get the first commandment in our heart, all the rest will fall into place. It's an interesting comment. One person thought it was a trick question said, is this the same thing as asking which was the easiest one to commit? Well, that's a fair point, I suppose. Someone said the first one because it encompasses all others. Someone said, honor my mother and thy father. They really make me mad. <laughs> to love one another. It's hard when there are rude people, right? There's an amen. Shout, Thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself. And then it said, people are flipping morons. <laughs> love your neighbor. Someone wrote the first one. And when I step back and look at how much I spent on unimportant stuff, I realize I've made those things gods. It's important, important observation. Someone said, you shall not bear false witness. And it says, it's so tempting to lie when the truth causes pain or leads to an argument, right? Someone said, what about you shall not covet? That seems difficult in a society dependent on stuff. Yeah. Someone wrote, great question. So they're, they're thinking. It says, I would have to say for me, it's thou shalt not covet. said, I have some issues with jealousy, like not having the perfect body, not having enough money. And it says, although I do, if I manage to stick to my budget. And said, and those types of things. Okay. So sometimes it's, it's honor my mother and my father. It says, being an adult and parent, the boundary of this, this is my life, and disrespect can get a little foggy. It's an interesting comment as well. Someone wrote, sometimes it's remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It says, it's hard to slow down and remember it's his day. Yeah. 
So Max wrote out, hmm, I haven't had to make too many graven images lately. But yes, keeping God number one has, can be tough, especially when other parts of my life try to crowd him out. So coveting is a tough one, especially when you try to do what is right and honest and always seem to be penalized for it. Then you see the people who cheat and rob and they get away with it and seem to prosper. That's a tough one, isn't it? We talked a little bit this morning about justice and vengeance and, and feeling like um, you need to get even. So for me, it's basically all of them except thou shalt not kill. Then again, if you ask me right now, I probably couldn't tell you all ten. It's interesting. If we could sit down and actually name all ten. And the last one said, they are all hard to obey. However, I would say that do not covet is the most difficult, especially in this day and age. The internet from social media platforms, the sneaky ads, makes it very easy to envy the things and lifestyles that other people have. These are all good, valid points. But the one I didn't hear and surprised me was, don't take the Lord's name in vain. I guess when these people smash their finger with a hammer, drop a plate on the floor, they just say, oh no, bummer, oh shucks. <laughs> Can you relate to any of the responses you heard? Can you? Do you hear some of those things? Do you, you feel the same way? And you can nod. I'm not going to ask which one, although this is the place where you confess sin. So. But I'm going to take a few minutes and comment on these answers, and then we'll dive a little deeper into some of the more common ones. So one person thought it was a trick question, said, is this the same thing as asking what is the easiest sin to commit? So what do you think about that? Is it possible we look at God's commandments and say they are too hard? I mean, is it for a lot of these reasons that people gave? I mean, our scripture, remember, from the ruled life, which was just a couple weeks ago, was 1 John 5, 2-4. It says, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Do you agree with that? Are God's rules a burden to you? Is God the great party pooper in the sky? And if you still hold comments like that in your heart, then I'd like you to revisit the rule of life message and another that was called out in order to be pulled in, where we talked about why it's important we have rules and follow them and why we have this conviction at times, not a condemnation, remember, but a conviction that says what we're doing, what we're feeling is not right. So that's a good one, called out in order to be pulled in. And it talks about dealing with that. And it's important that you understand and accept the reason for the rules and the consequences so there's no room for you to hold a resentment against what is being done for your own good. I sound like a father, don't I? You know, this is for your own good, but it is. What about honor thy father and thy mother? How about the one that said, they really make me mad. Now, we kind of giggled a little bit, but isn't that truth? You know, I laughed when I read this first, but it was mentioned a few times, the mother and father comment. Someone wrote, sometimes it's honoring mother and thy father. Being an apparent in the boundary of this is my life and disrespect can get foggy. And that one was just specific enough. I think they have something particular in mind, and they probably need to have a heart-to-heart -heart with their mom or dad. But I think the real struggle with this issue is, is twofold. If you're an independent person, which many of us are, and I'm saying independent in quotes, then you don't want to be told who to honor. We talked about that this morning in Bible study. What does authority mean to you? If you're an independent person and strong-willed and, and you can do it and, and maybe you're wired to be a person of authority yourself, then you don't want to be told who to honor. So maybe you push back a little bit when you're supposed to, you're told to honor somebody, especially when there's no disclaimer that says you have to honor them 
only when they agree with you or when they're being nice or, or something like that. But you have to do it at all times. And this rolls in the second reason that people have trouble with this commandment. But let me tell you a secret that'll make you feel better in case you haven't figured this out. Parents are people too, right? I mean, we're parents and, and I make mistakes. Our parents, they make mistakes and they say the wrong thing and they hurt our feelings and, and, and that's just the good ones, right? Even the good ones do this stuff. But if they have a sin in their lives or they've sinned against you, and I mean really sinned. I'm not talking about like my mom does, which is make me spam and mustard sandwiches still to this day, which I've never liked. I'm talking about real sin and salvation issues. But if they've got that in their life, it's increasingly difficult to love them, right? But don't they need to love all the more? And there's no asterisk in the Bible that uh, relieves you of any responsibility to disobey this commandment. You must honor your mother and your father. That doesn't talk about how much time or how you, how you do it, but it says you must honor them. Another one that was mentioned was, you shall not bear false witness. It is so tempting to lie when the truth causes pain or leads to an argument. What do you guys think about that one? When we celebrate anniversaries, I always ask, what's your secret or advice do you have to share with others? And no one has ever said, but I imagine that's in there, peacekeeping lies and half-truths is the secret to a long marriage. That's, that's, we don't say that, but don't we do that? With the intent of, of, of good, we aren't fully honest. And to that I would say your fear is real in regard to the other person's response. So knowing that we are only responsible for our own actions and words, shouldn't you, that relieve you of your fault in sharing the truth? Shouldn't you be called to the truth no matter what? But as a man who's been married for a number of years, and I realize not nearly as many years as many people in this room, that doesn't work out all the time, does it? Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benefit those who listen. So how do you balance that commandment with the truth when it doesn't seem to jive with wholesome? Okay. I want you to stay tuned because this question deserves its own study and we're going to have to devote some quality time to that struggle of honesty and, and building others up with our words. Now back to the countdown. Sometimes it's remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's hard to slow down and remember his day. You feel that? Yeah. This one has been subject to a wide range of interpretation. And, you know, don't lie, don't steal, don't murder. Those are clear cut, right? Don't, don't, don't. Easy enough. But what does it mean to remember the Sabbath? What does it mean to keep it holy? Some say it means no labor of any kind. Others say it means to only labor for the Lord. And there's certain things that you can't, or at least that you couldn't at one time, buy on Sundays. Some say it's reserved for God and family. Some say it's reserved for football and NASCAR, which is great for naps. I'd say that it begins both literally in importance when we gather as we do to praise, honor, give to, learn about, and worship God. If you haven't done that bare minimum of giving God your time on a Sunday morning, how can you claim to be obedient in this commandment, regardless of what you do with the rest of the day? Now, God knows and understands travel and illness. He also can see in your heart and he knows that the event you're missing the service for isn't really more important to you than, it is, than he is to you. He gets that. So I defer to him for his good judgment. 
but I remind you of the resources that are available to those who, for, for those of us when you just can't make it to a service. Bible studies, reading scripture on your own, listening to sermons online, and that's the reason we do the Golden Beach podcast. So our travelers, our snowbirds, our homebound friends have one more resource available to them to get into the word and to, to connect. Hebrews, uh, oh, I don't want to replace the physical gathering, though that's important to mention. Um, and then all this empowerment that comes when we get together and we pray. Again, we, we are called to pray at all times and in all situations without ceasing, Scripture says. But there's a power that when we all get together and lift up the joys and concerns together as a congregation in there, to know that the person next to you is praying alongside with you for you or for someone you know. And God hears them. God heard them when you were praying on your own, but he, he sees what happens here. And there's an empowerment that comes when we gather. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I like to spur one another on. We encourage each other towards love. We encourage each other towards good deeds. Another answer I got was, for me, it's basically all of them except thou shalt not kill. Then again, if you ask me right now, I probably couldn't tell you all ten. Remember that answer? And I thought that was interesting, and I appreciate the honesty, both that they struggle with all the commandments, but also they admit they aren't really confident they know what all of them are. My hope is that person realizes that there's an open book exam that we're doing right now, and then they can become familiar with these things. But here's the thing. Both in the world and the kingdom of God, Ignorance is not an excuse. If you went flying through Versailles in your car and got pulled over, said, I didn't know the speed limit, so I just drove what I wanted to, what do you think they'd say? Tough luck. Tough luck. It's your responsibility to know the law. And we as Christians are doubly accountable because not only are we to know the law, which is God's word, but the same law says that we are supposed to share this with others. We won't be judged just on whether or not we kept the commandments, but also, did we help others to do the same? But related to that, and I shared this this morning in our Bible study, next week we're going to start a new series about knowing God, and we're going to start with this complication of sharing God in a politically correct world. I'm going to take a few minutes now just to focus on, on three responses that were most common. Do not covet, no other God before me, and love others. Someone said, someone said they really struggle with this commandment, do not covet. Matthew 16, 19 through 21 talks about treasures in heaven. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It is wonderful to be recognized for what you do. It's not necessarily wonderful to do it to be recognized, but it does. It feels good to be honored and respected and get that feedback that says, we really appreciate the time and, and energy and, and money you've, you've contributed. People know that, what you're doing, and it does serve the community and that we are called to do that. But stuff, if you're doing it to, to pursue stuff, if you're doing things you're kind of missing the point, and your blessing is short-lived. You may have a period on earth, whatever that may be, how many years you have left here, and really enjoy it. But the real stuff of value you'll have for an eternity, 
after this period is gone. That's where you want to keep your treasures. And it talks about things that rust and decay and all that and steal. True, absolutely true. But no one can touch your confidence. No one can touch your character, right? They can question it. They can make you question it yourself. But if you're being Christ-like, if you're doing good things and you're being a good person and Christ-like and you're showing compassion and love and serving others, that's your treasure to hold and you take it with you. Now this is serious enough that Jesus actually warned us in Luke 12, 15. He says, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So why would he say watch out and be on your guard? Because he knows these are powerful temptations for us. Someone said, no other God before me, no graven images was something that they really struggle with. And they talked about it, and again, in regards to stuff, almost along the lines of coveting. From Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what do you think about this last statement? All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Is it possible that if we were to follow the single commandment, all the others would fall into place with ease? I mean, that's an interesting notion. I challenge you to try that this week. Love God with everything you have. Love others as yourself. Now I want to point out, don't forget yourself. Okay? And if you don't love yourself very much, then love others more than you love yourself. And then you can love yourself for doing something good. Okay, don't forget you. Love God with everything you have. Love others as yourself. And then wouldn't you find that you don't lie or cheat or steal or covet? Because you love God and you love others and you want good for them. And you love yourself so you don't necessarily want or need anything different. Now, I was a regional operations manager for Dish Network, the satellite company, and, and we had these things that we were rated on. It was called the Big Ten, and there were all kinds of categories and all this stuff. And we always seemed to be this game of whack-a-mole. Every, every month in our region, which went from Lawrence all the way over to almost to Columbia, Marshall, and then to the Iowa border and down around the lake, um, it seemed like it was, there was something. We weren't fast enough. Too many callbacks or whatever, you know, and, and we're always beating this thing in. Too many things are being put on poles instead of on houses and just really strange things that we were evaluated on. So we, it was always this thing, whack-a-mole. And I said, guys, no one has ever figured out, as long as this company's been around, which has been, I think, the 80s, how to just knock out all 10 at once. But let me tell you this. What if we pick three behaviors to change? What if we gave fantastic customer service? Wouldn't that help with people being happier with their service they got? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't they be more likely to give you good feedback? Wouldn't they be more likely to trust you if you were trying to sell them something else? What if we did absolute quality work? Wouldn't that make things go faster because you're not doing it twice? With that? And I think with this, I think it's possible that if we love God with everything we have, and love others as much as we love ourselves, and then put ourselves in there too, putting ourselves third, would it be possible 
that we aren't trying to not lie, not steal, not cheat, not covet, not all these things, honor your mother and father. Wouldn't it be possible that just because I love God so much and I love other people so much that I'm not chasing these things around? Consider that. What are the one or two or three behaviors that you can do this week that kind of make everything else so much easier for you? I started in construction when I was 14. It was a different time. And I know you look at me because I'm younger and you say that. But it was, even more than now. And, um, and I remember there was an old craftsman and he said, I'll give you some advice. You give the hardest job to the laziest person, they'll find the best way to get it done. And there's some truth to that in there. So I'm telling you, find the behaviors that you need to do that make these other things easier. It's the last one. Love thy neighbor, love God, love others. From Matthew 5, 544 through 46. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? It says, not even the tax collectors, do, you know, even the tax collectors do that. And these tax collectors were thought to be horrible, crooked people at the time. And um, he's saying, you haven't done anything special if you love people that love you. That's easy. Love everybody, especially those that persecute you. I mean, and he's saying, God created everyone. And he said, it rains on you and it rains on the people that don't know me. You know, the sun rises on you. And so I created everybody. Everybody is entitled to love. We talked about it this morning, the two kinds of respect everybody's entitled to. One, because you're a child of God, right? That's just period. Everybody gets loved. And the one thing I kind of is pray for others, especially the ones you don't want to. Now, it's probably been about a year since we did this exercise, but I had you think of a person, just your best friend, someone you really care about. It could be your spouse. If it's not, don't tell them. Um, but think of one person and think of a one or two sentence prayer, you know, <laughs> dear God, be with so-and-so and protect them and help them have a great week. Great. Easily done. Everybody was able to do that so easily. And I said, now replace that with the last name you would have possibly thought of when I said, think of your best friend. And how much harder was that to say this already pre-written speech, you know, prayer that you just done, but to put that person's name in there, it shouldn't be any different. It shouldn't be any harder to say, God, thank you for the person who just cut me off in my life. You know, be with them and help them have a great day and get to where they're safely. It's tough, but that's what he's calling us to do. And it's really important because scripture tells us, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, but if I have a faith that it can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Gain nothing. You're really denying yourself the blessing if you aren't including that act of love. So I'm going to throw out there that that's probably the thing, the behavior you need to learn this week is to love everybody. Jesus answered the question after sharing a parable about the unmerciful servant. This is from Matthew 18, 21, 22. Peter came to him and he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Jesus, he said, 
He said, yeah, forgive everybody. Same, and he said it multiple times. We've already studied two different unrelated verses this morning. And he says, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? That seems, that's a lot. I mean, most people get one, maybe two chances. He's saying, what, seven? Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And I'm guessing that was just an arbitrary number throughout there. He's saying, don't stop. And remember, we don't want God to stop forgiving us. We wouldn't say, God, just forgive me once or only seven times, but forgive me as often as I need so I can break the cycle of sin or whatever it is I'm doing. Remember, we have a cycle, and God says, bring it to me, repent, and I will forgive you. And we'll mess up again. He says, bring it to me, repent, and I will forgive you. And the only way that cycle gets broken, one of two ways, you stop the sin or or the bad way, which is you stop asking for repentance. If we only listen to a portion of what he says or only obey certain parts of his commandments, aren't we essentially doing what we want? Aren't we pretty much being disobedient? And there's really no pretty much about it. If you either are obedient or you aren't, you know, you didn't kind of kill somebody. So the question was asked, which commandment is the most difficult to keep? My response would be, the most important commandment is the one you're having the most difficulty with right now. Because God expects perfect obedience. And grace can cover this gap. But his expectation remains the same. Perfect obedience. So if it's keeping the Sabbath holy, if that's what you're struggling with at this moment, if it's honoring your mother or your father, if it's coveting, whatever at this very moment, and it does change, and that's okay, then that is the one to work on until you've conquered that weakness. And then you start on the next one and so on. And I use the analogy of whack-a-mole. And I don't want you to think of it as, as whack-a-mole where a sin pops up and you pound it and you move on to the next one. And yes, that would be a good visual. But maybe think of it along the lines of a honing, a refining process. You keep working at the imperfections along the edge of something and continue to turn at it and look at it and work at the edges and make it better and better and refine it. And then you have perfection. And some things... Most things, you're going to go your entire life and not reach, achieve that perfection. That's where grace kicks in. Then now I need to remind you of the commandment that most people don't even think of. Matthew 28, 19-20. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Don't forget that's a commandment as well. Let's pray. Father God, you are amazing. You are a loving Father who expects perfection. And you expect perfection because you expect to spend an eternity with us in heaven. Father God, as we examine our lives and in ways we can improve and be more Christ-like, we ask you to help convict us, not to condemn us, but to convict us of what is the one thing that I need to do today to be better? What is the one thing I need to remove from my life or my mind or my heart to make more room for you? God, as we seek this week in particular or this challenge of, of finding a behavior, a new or different behavior we can focus on, that'll help us to be more obedient to you. Let us first seek to love everyone. 
not just those that we are required to love, not just those that we find easy to love, but every single person. Let us do good deeds for the sake of, of showing them love without pointing anything out for ourselves or expecting anything in return, not even a thank you. Father God, I just always want to thank you for this church, this community that supports it, the community that it supports. And as always, I want to thank you for the reminder that the empty places in the pew serve. They remind us that we are to go with this last commandment and spread the word and make disciples of all. Father God, I continue to ask your blessing over this day. May we honor it and keep it holy. Amen.